called the Upper Room. Uh, this is uh, some of the most intimate teaching of Jesus. Jesus being in the Upper Room just hours before he is arrested and then later crucified. Uh, he teaches some of his most powerful things to his disciples uh, in this intimate setting. And uh, we've been working through this for a couple months now. And uh, we are in John chapter 14, and we're going to look at verse 47. So let me read this verse. Jesus says to his disciples, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. Jesus is serious about giving his disciples this, this peace. He says, I, this peace I leave with you. In fact, if you know the resurrection story, you most, uh, the most common thing that Jesus says after the resurrection is, peace be with you. Uh, that Jesus is wanting us to walk this world with peace in our lives and uh, to be, have our hearts and our minds saturated with, with this incredible kind of peace that he gives. Uh, but sometimes we might struggle a little bit with this concept of living in this world with peace because we know this world is not easy. Uh, there are hard things that happen. There are terrible things that ha happen. We know just within our own family, there are some of you who have lost husbands and wives. There are some of you who have lost children. Uh, difficult things happen to, to Christian people and to non-Christian people. Uh, we know this world is not easy. Uh, but in the midst of this, Jesus talks about this gift of peace. And even in the context of our text today, uh, he talks about this peace I leave with you and my peace I give you. He doesn't say this in a context of this kind of la-la, easy life. In the upper room, Jesus talks a lot, actually, about trouble and persecution and hardship. And in John 15... He tells his disciples, since they persecuted me, naturally they will persecute you. In John 16, 2, he says to his disciples, you will be expelled from the synagogue, and the time is coming when those who kill you will think they are doing a holy service for God. In John 16, 20, he says, I tell you the truth, you will weep and mourn over what is going to happen to me, but the world will rejoice. And in verse 33, he says, here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows. Yet, in the midst of that, he, he talks about this peace. <laughs> and, again, he doesn't say this in the context of pretending that life is going to be easy or uh, giving the disciples a false hope about an easy life. I mean, every single one of these disciples, except for the Apostle John, would actually be killed for their faith. Because in, uh, like some countries today... Uh, the Roman Empire had a time where Christianity became illegal. It was very different from sort of the state religion, and uh, you had to kind of look to the emperor as God, and some of the Christians were, were willing to do that. And every single one of these 11 disciples, minus John, were killed for their faith. And Jesus warns them about this. But again, in the context of this, all of the suffering and trials, he says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. In fact, in John 15, he talks as well about joy. He says, you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. And so this is a, a unique kind of joy, a unique kind of peace that somehow is so strong 
that it can work its way into this difficult life we live in at the times. And we're going to notice, because Jesus says here, notice what he says. He says, my peace and my joy. Uh, this is, is, the peace of Jesus has to do with the presence of a person, not our situations. And in fact, when Jesus talks about here, he says, uh, peace I live with you, my, my peace I give you, I do not give to you as the world gives. In other words, the peace that Jesus gives is different than, than kind of the world's peace. Uh, the world's peace in, in this world is very much about circumstances. And, you know, we'll be at peace when the, the countries are no longer fighting and no longer at war with each other. Then, then we'll see peace. Uh, I will have peace in my life when I get all my debt out of the way and finally I'm financially free. Or I will have peace when I retire. Or I'll have peace when, when I have enough money or I finally get that job or I finally find the right spouse or I finally get rid of my spouse or whatever it might be, right? <laughs> Uh, that's kind of the, the thinking of the world. It's all about circumstances. Uh, and it's true. I mean, we, we want nice circumstances, but, but we know if you actually have your head and your heart in life, that life is not always easy. And there are a lot of things in this world that can, can just pull life from us. And, and so the world's kind of peace is only strong enough if everything is okay. It's only powerful enough if everything is, is fine in your life. But what happens when everything is not fine? Uh, what happens when, when tragedy strikes or hardship comes along? Or, I mean, what do you do then? The world's peace can't, can't hold you. And so Jesus says, I do not give to you as the world gives. That the peace that, that Jesus gives, as described in Philippians chapter 4, verse 7, says the peace of God which transcends all understanding. It's, it's a peace that's transcendent or higher. It's greater than our circumstances. And it, it doesn't make sense. Um, I've walked with lots of people through tragedy, and it can be incredibly hard, but, but, but sometimes people find in the midst of tragedy that, that there's this awkward peace. And, and it's unexplainable because it transcends all understanding, and this is God's peace, that God's peace is so amazing because it's actually more powerful than difficult situations. The world's peace crumbles under difficult situations, but God's peace is strong enough to carry us through difficulties. In fact, John 16, Jesus here balances these two that, that don't seem compatible at all, but Jesus says they're somehow compatible. Jesus says, I have told you all of this so that you may have peace in me. And then he says this, here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. So he talks about having this peace, yet he says there are going to be many trials and sorrows. And it's like, how does that come together? Well, it comes together in the presence of Jesus. And he wants us to walk in, in this peace. And so there are times when we hold these two actually together. In this world, we may have peace, but we're also going to have trials and, and sorrows. And, and Paul actually described it this way in 2 Corinthians 6. He says, sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. Because if we actually care about people, uh, there are going to be times when we are going to carry sorrow in our lives. I mean, Maybe you heard this week, uh, just yesterday, 
that Rachel Held Evans, who's a popular Christian author, speaker, she, she died. It was kind of an awkward uh, effect to some drugs she was taking. Um, she's uh, her husband, two little kids. I mean, uh, sometimes there's these hard things. And so we as Christians, we mourn with those who mourn. We, we have this sorrow, yet there's this joy from Jesus. There's this peace in Jesus. And, and so in our hearts, we have, we have the sorrow, yet there's this peace. There's this sorrow, yet there's this rejoicing uh, because of the presence of Christ in, in our lives. And so when he's talking about this peace or joy, it's not like this kind of giddy peace, Disneyland, like, woohoo, you know, I heard someone die, woohoo, I'm just so joyful. It's, it's the sorrowful yet rejoicing. It's, it's sorrowful, yet, yet there, there's this awkward, weird, strong presence of peace in my life that's just somehow carrying me through, even though I don't think I can make it. This is the peace of God that transcends all understanding. And he wants us to walk in this kind of peace. Uh, even through difficult situations in Mark. This is a story of the storm. It says that a furious squall came up and the disciples are in the middle of the Sea of Galilee on their boat. And the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. Uh, he was sleeping in the middle of a storm. Why? You notice what Jesus said, I give you my peace. He, he's always at peace. He's described as the prince of peace. He's filled with peace in such that he can actually sleep during a storm. That's what he's doing. And the disciples wake him up and say, teacher, don't you care if we drown? Like, these disciples literally thought they were going to die. I mean, it's not a pretty situation. It's not a comfy situation. They actually thought they were going to die. And they're like, Jesus, what the heck are you doing sleeping? And so they wake him up. And, and so he gets up. He rebukes the wind and says to the waves, quiet, be still. And this must have been just incredible to think about the storm, thinking you're going to die. And all of a sudden, the wind died down, and it was completely calm. And he says to his disciples, you know, that was a scary situation. Was, I can totally understand why you were freaking out. No, we just, that's just natural. He actually didn't say that. He actually says, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And he suddenly just kind of rebukes the disciples a little bit, saying, you know, there, there's a different way you can live. Storms are coming. That's just a, that's a reality. But there's a different way you can live. You can live with this joy and sorrow and, and peace, yet sorrow. And he actually rebukes them. And I think sometimes um, we naturally just try to fall into the world's peace so much. Sometimes just Jesus is saying, hey, there is a peace you can have even, even in, in the storm. And, and we're to have this peace even in difficult situations. We see in Philippians, it talks about, it says, don't be intimidated in any way by your enemies. Or that's a spiritual enemy or maybe a physical enemy. This will be a sign to them that they are going to be destroyed, but that you are going to be saved even by God himself. And so the Bible says even that we should have a peace even when we're dealing with enemies. Uh, that we don't shrink back in fear. We don't shrink back and lose our peace. That, that the peace we carry is actually a sign that God is real and that God is with us. Or, or Luke 10, uh, speaking of the idea that we are to be such carriers of peace that we should have peace to actually leave around us. Uh, Jesus said, when you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If someone who promotes or receives peace is there, 
your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. In other words, he talks about being able to leave peace in a place. You go into a business, you can leave peace if, if they want to receive it. You can walk into someone's house and leave peace in that place. In other words, in order to give peace, we need to have peace. And Jesus says, I want to gift you with peace. I want to gift you with this peace because life is hard. And because life is hard, we need joy. We, we need peace to carry us through. And Jesus says, it's going to be a reality as we walk, walk in life. And the most important thing to know is that peace is a person. The world's peace is circumstantial. Peace in Jesus is actually about the presence of a person. A lot of times in the Bible, it talks about God being a God of peace, that he himself is, is our peace. Or in, uh, just to make you hungry, that's a, what's a subliminal message, you know, McDonald's gives me some money. Uh, I flip those quick. I get 10%. In Romans 15, uh, it says, God who gives us he says, his peace, and he knows, again, it's my peace, that peace is actually the presence of a person, that, that Jesus, when he gives his peace, it's not like, okay, I want to give you peace, so I'm going to fix up all your circumstances. It's not what Jesus does always. He says, I'm going to give you peace by being present. Peace is a person. It's, it's not about circumstances. It's about the presence of a person, and that's important to understand. And so if we want peace... Uh, when we get caught up in kind of worldly thinking and just human thinking, we went, I want peace, I want to be financially secure, I want to have all my insurances in place, I want to be safe and sound and have just that happy little life, that's, that's, how, that's how I want peace, and we all want that, but, uh, but when hardship comes, that kind of fades away. So where do you get peace? If you want peace, you got to go to the source, and the source is the presence of God, and so here's where the hamburger comes in. If you want a Big Mac... You gotta go to the source. Uh, you're probably not gonna get one at the coffee bar. You're not gonna go get one at Oso Negro Coffee or Frog Peak. I mean, if you want a Big Mac, you gotta go to the source because that's who gives out Big Macs. If you want a Panago pizza, that's all the snack food that we want, right? Oh, I don't know. Uh, I mean, you don't get that at like, the dollar store. You actually have to go to the source. You gotta go to Panago. Uh, if you want a new Ford pickup, uh, you don't go to the Toyota dealership. If you want a brand new Ford, you got to go to the Ford. You got to go to the source. And, and if we want peace, we got to go to the source. And that is the presence of God. We got to get ourselves in to the presence of God and make our aware, uh, aware, uh, make ourselves aware of the presence of God. And the cool thing is, is the Bible actually says that God, He really, really, really wants to give us peace. In Psalm 35, it says, Great is the Lord who delights in blessing his servant with peace. It's just like he just, he just, he's ready to give it. He wants to give it. He's just come into my presence. I want I just delight in giving you peace. Because the whole purpose of Jesus is, is, is found in him bringing life and life to the full. And so he brings this peace. And so peace is a person. And so we need to make sure we are aware of the presence of God, that we we don't go long in life without stopping just to be aware of the presence of God. And we've been talking a lot about that in the last month. Um, but again, it's helpful to know that God is good and that he loves you as a son and daughter. 
that at any time we can go boldly into his throne room of grace, even if we have really messed up that week and screwed everything up, uh, God still says, come. Uh, because of Jesus, we can go into, he loves us. Uh, he, Jesus has taken away any barrier that is between us and God, and so we can enter his, into his presence at any time. Now, there's some other helpful things with peace uh, in the Bible. In Philippians chapter 4, uh, Paul gives this command, and this is a command we, we always do perfectly. It says, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Don't worry about anything. We all do that right? perfect, right? Never. Some, some translations say anxiety. Don't be anxious about anything. Uh, we know in real life at times we are worried and we are anxious, or maybe it's just me. I don't know. Uh, but it has an answer. <laughs> it has an answer. Uh, don't be anxious or don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. To pray about everything. Or the Bible says to pray continuously in 1 Thessalonians 5. Uh, to be talking to God all of the time. And, and it's helpful because there are consequences to prayerlessness. Uh, I mean, James says you don't have because you don't ask. Sometimes lack in our life is actually a result of prayerlessness. Uh, it's one of the effects of prayerlessness. Or Jesus said, uh, pray so you don't fall into temptation. One of the consequences of prayerlessness is sometimes we end up fighting battles that we didn't actually have to fight. Because we haven't prayed, we fall into temptation. All of a sudden we're involved in this battle with a person or a relationship or a situation or our own struggle and own sin because we haven't been praying. I mean, there are consequences to prayerlessness because prayer changes things. But here, he talks about the, the consequence of not praying is, is just more worry and anxiety. He says, pray about everything, tell God what you need, and thank him for all he has done. Then, and this is the result about praying about everything, then you will experience God's, God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And, and we all want that. We want peace, and we want a peace that is big, bigger and stronger than our circumstances. And Paul says, well, one way you enter in that is to pray about everything, just to keep talking to God all the time and be, and be thankful for him and one of the reasons this brings peace is, one, because prayer works. The other is because when you're talking to someone, you're automatically aware of their presence. And the presence of Jesus is peace. So if I'm having a conversation with my wife, because I'm talking to her, I'm obviously aware that she's there because I'm talking with her. If I phone somebody, I'm kind of aware of their presence. And, and so when we pray, it forces us to be aware of God's presence. And this is why... The Bible says pray continually. Pray about everything. Because the more we can be aware of the presence of God, the, the less anxiety we'll have, at least if we understand that God is good and God is with us and God loves us. I mean, the presence of somebody can change the way we look at things. Like, I remember growing up, uh, we had this, this underground root cellar that my dad had built, and it was filled with spider webs and spiders. And so as a little kid trying to go in there to get a can of or a jar of beets or whatever was the freakiest thing in the world because <laughs> it was dark and musty and just tons of spider webs 
I would, I would, I would, I hated going in there. But if I went in there with a parent or my older brother, you know what? I was fine. Presence changes circumstances. It changes how you look at circumstances. And the reality is the presence of God never leaves us. But the problem is we sometimes forget that he is there. And so when we talk to God and just pray continually, it just, it causes us to always be reminded of the presence of God, the most powerful God, a good God who loves us and who is, who is there and can carry us through, that just talking to him reminds us of his presence. And so I just encourage you, and I have been throughout the series, just talk to God a lot. He wants to hear your voice. He wants you to be close to him. And so just learn to constantly be talking to God, to pray, to pray continually, because it helps bring, bring peace. And then he goes on, he talks about peace and our thought life. And so he says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts. That means to permanently have your thoughts there where you, you fix a picture on the wall, you've placed it there. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Which could be really hard in the midst of anxiety. Because in anxiety and worry, what are we doing? We're basically fixing our thoughts on what is horrible and what's gone wrong and what might go wrong, what's probably going to go wrong or what they might do or what could happen. And we think about all the things that are not excellent and, and just cause us stress. I mean, this is why everybody knows how to meditate. You know, some people, I, I don't know how to meditate. It's called worry. It's called anxiety. It's what it is. It's when we meditate on a problem. And we can't get it out of our heads. And we just think about, how is it going to go bad? It's not going to turn out right. Or this is going to happen. And we all, we are super good at meditating. We're awesome at it. But we just need to switch what we're fixing our thoughts on. We need to meditate on something different. And that's what Paul says here. Fix your thoughts, not on your problem, but what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. I don't think your horrible situation is worthy of praise. Because probably the result of this fallen world or the result of the enemy, because the enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy. And so that's not excellent, so we don't fix our thoughts on that. Keep putting into practice, Paul says, all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. And sometimes we're like, what? That's kind of like, that's not in the right sentence. It should be like, it's not, it should be in that paragraph. But if you understand this book, you understand it's right. Keep it, put into practice all that you've received and learned from Paul. Paul is writing this book while he's sitting in a prison, chained to a Roman guard. And, uh, and he writes this book, and the whole theme of this book is joy. The whole theme of this book is peace. And so he says, learn from me. So here is the answer at the end. Then the peace of God will be with you. So fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely. Think about these things. Then the peace of God will be with you. So pray about everything because the presence of God is peace. You're, you're going to receive more peace. Fix your thoughts on what is good and right, and, and there's just going to be more peace. And, of course, fixing our thoughts on God is a good thing. In Isaiah 26, it says the same thing. God will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, whose thoughts are fixed on you. And so 
if you're in a situation of worry and anxiety, again, we just begin to meditate automatically on that situation. Uh, the Bible says, put your meditation on God. Fix your thoughts on him. Fix your thoughts on Jesus. Fix your thoughts on your relationship with him. Fix your thoughts on things that you can be thankful for. Meditate your, uh, just meditate on those things. And, and he says the peace of God will enter into our life. And so we fix our thoughts. Or as 2 Corinthians 10 says, we take every thought captive to make it obedient to Christ. So any thought in your mind that's, that's not of God, we, we put it away. And so there's some helpful questions, I think, that can help us in, in life when it comes to peace. Now, one question can be helpful is this. If you've lost your peace, to ask yourself, uh, where did I leave my peace behind? Uh, like, where did I leave, leave, leave the bag? Where did I leave the suitcase and just kind of wander off and start freaking out? I mean, where did I leave it behind? Sometimes you just got to go back. Uh, where did I drop my peace off? Because probably that's the situation that God is wanting to work in and speak to you about. And maybe you got to go back to that situation and you need to pick your peace up, your peace up, and then maybe you got to leave behind some anxiety and worry. Or, or this question. Uh, Father, what are your thoughts about this situation? I know what mine are, and I'm freaking out. <laughs> I know what my thoughts are. But God, what are your thoughts? And just to listen to the Holy Spirit speak. And sometimes you might hear, you might just say, you know, I got this. Just hold on to me. You know, I know of a person who, through tragedy, the only thing she could do to make peace was she would stand there with her hands open, just in silence, receiving peace from God. Because that's all she could do, is just receive peace from God. God, what are your thoughts about this situation? Uh, you may want to ask yourself or picture yourself. Remember we had the, 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 uh, the chair up here, and, and we're seated with Christ, and Christ is seated with the Father. Uh, we, we are seated in the heavenlies. Sometimes it can be helpful from that position of being seated with Christ to look out at your problem. Uh, what does your problem look like from the vantage point of being seated with Christ? Who loves you and is holding you. How does that change your situation? And lastly, uh, we have peace in our connection with God. Uh, Romans 5 1 says, Since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. That we have peace with God. And so if everything else in your life, if there's no peace, and it's all hard and difficult, you can't find peace anywhere in life, you do have peace with God. That there is actually a place of peace that you can go to. There is a place when everything else is turmoil and falling apart and you want to pull out your hair and you're worried and anxiety. You can enter into this place, the throne room of God, where there is nothing but peace. Because you're at peace with God. God is at peace with you. God is peace himself and he wants to give you this peace. And so there are times that you just need to escape the world and just spend time in the presence of God receiving peace. And that's part of why we come to church. Part of why we do things like a prayer summit is part of why many of us take time out of our day to just sit in the presence of God because that's the one place that we can, we can get peace when maybe everything else is falling apart. 
But not only that, but this peace with God is eternal. He says here, we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. That because of Christ, we know that the worst thing in this life is never the last thing. The worst thing in this life is never, ever the last thing. Because there is glory coming. Now, this life is short, but it's never the last thing. In fact, the Bible speaks about this in lots of places. Uh, like Romans 8. It says, if God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand pleading for us. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we are, have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or are hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? I mean, uh, scripture doesn't hide suffering. Again, we talked about this idea that a lot of times people look at the idea of a God and reject God because how, if there's a God, how can there be suffering? But again, the very central piece of Christianity is God suffering on the cross. I mean, there's suffering all over the Bible. Uh, that God is not trying to pretend suffering isn't real. God knows there's, uh, suffering is a reality in this world where there's free will and, and people choose wrong things. And he talks about it here. So and he says, as the scriptures say, for your sake, we are, we are killed every day and are being slaughtered like sheep. And that was true for the apostles. But he says, no, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. That in the end, there's victory. I mean, it's like this. Uh, let's say you're going to a soccer game. And you know the soccer game, this other team is fierce and, and they're, they're going to be a difficult team. But let's say you knew 100% you were going to win. Victory was, was 100%. You know the game's going to be hard. And you might get tripped. You might fall. You're going to have to play hard. But, but you know you're going to win. You would enter that game with a lot more peace because you know you're going to win. Then if you entered that game thinking, I don't know if I'm going to win or not. But when you have Jesus, victory is yours. In the end, you win. We know that the worst thing is not the last thing. And so when everything else is falling apart, we run to this place of his presence. We run to this place knowing that the, the worst thing in this life is never, ever the last thing. Because victory is ours through Jesus. So Father, we just open ourselves to your gift of peace. God, all of us in this room are doing life, which means all of us have areas of stress. All of us here have areas of anxiety and worry. And so, God, we just enter into your peace. And, Father, as we sit on your throne, because we're in Jesus and Jesus is in you, God, we pray that you just saturate us with your peace. Father, as we look into your eyes, we, we just ask you, Father, what, what are you thinking about this situation in my life? 
Father, what are you thinking about this, this anxious thing in my life? Father, we want our thoughts to be your thoughts. And so we receive your thoughts about the situation. We believe them. We lean into them. Father, we, Father, we just put away any thought that's not of you in our mind about our situation this morning. And we fix our thoughts on you. We fix our thoughts on what you've spoken to us. God, we thank you that we are at peace with you. That you look at us with eyes of peace because of what you have done for us. We thank you for love. We thank you for forgiveness. We thank you for grace. We thank you that when we need help and mercy and grace, that we can come boldly as your children into your throne room. And God, I pray that you would help us to leave from here, but never leave the awareness of your presence. God, I pray you just teach us how to just be in communion with you throughout every day and just throughout every minute that we just be in conversation with you, being reminded of your presence. And Father, as we come to this table and finish this service, God, we just pray that as we come to remember what your son has done on the cross, that you do a powerful work in us. God, from this table, you'd work miracles in our life, that any stress and anxiety as we come to this table would just be washed away. God, if there's ill health in our bodies, that as we come to this table, that there be healing. God, in those situations that we've been praying and fighting for, God, would be resolved. And most of all, we pray we would experience your love at this table.